The first reading is from Acts, the 17th chapter. While Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons, and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him, and some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took hold of him and brought him to Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed on a day, he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle comes from 1 Peter, the third chapter. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having being subjected to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them He it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you this day from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, blessings to all our moms out there today for all of those who have loved us even in spite of our rebellion, right? Because none of us are the perfect child either, although maybe we think so. Yeah, I was looking at somebody there. Okay, so, you know, we do a lot of things in our world based on our identity. And identity has become something that our world is talking about now too. Is your identity, that is, who you are, a product of what you decide and do, or is it what you receive from God? You see, in the church, we always deal with God things, right? So, so to put it another way, is who you are a self-construction, or, or are you instead a creation of someone else, namely God? You know... Our world is confused today about identity. There is so much misunderstanding. And a few years ago, there was a paper written by a culture and gender researcher uh, who argued that, well, this is high science here, that Newtonian physics is oppressive because it divides the observed world into binary categories. You see, she thought that arbitrary decisions about categories, such as positive and negative charges that are observed in nature, actually encourage people to think of male and female. And she believed that the conclusions drawn from nature should be suppressed in the name of social causes. And she maintained that individuals should construct for themselves who they will be. Now we know that this author's words and belief are not alone in our world. That this has become a part of mainstream thought in our culture today. That you can be all that you want to be and anything you want to be. But that type of thinking is disconnected from reality. 
The fact is, human social and moral life are not arbitrary at all. They're not human-made constructions. Rather, they're connected to nature, that is, to reality, and ultimate to the reality of God. Remember how many times you and I, we've used that picture that everywhere in creation you can see the fingerprint of God, which helps us to understand that God is the creator, that God is the one who designed things, and that we are indeed his creation. But yet, our world today doesn't see it that way. They have blinders on when it comes to seeing the witness of reality around them. And so, the Apostle Paul reminds us today in the book of Acts that God himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he goes on to say that we know who God is because we see Jesus Christ. And God has given assurance to all of us by raising Jesus from the dead. That is to say, first of all, the identity of God is made known in and through Jesus Christ. And then secondly, in him we live and move and have our being. You see, God's identity is revealed in Jesus Christ. And guess what? So is ours. Our identity is rooted in Jesus. Because knowing God and who he is is necessary for us to know who we are. When we first acknowledge who God is to us, that sets the record straight for who you and I are. You see, while passing through the marketplace of Athens, Paul found an altar with the inscription, To the Unknown God. You see, God to the philosophers was a product of human imagination, someone we or others construct for ourselves. Certainly, we would call that the true definition of idol worship because we're making it for ourselves. And in fact, one could say idol worship is actually a form of identity theft because after all, we're stealing the identity away from God and claiming it as our own. And so we know that identity theft is a real problem in our world. You don't have to be on the television too terribly long to see a commercial about making sure your identity is kept secure by all those people on the web somewhere out to get you and impersonate you. And I know some of you may have also been impersonated at one time and taken advantage of. But the point is, is that our identity is rooted in the historical biblical fact of Jesus' resurrection. That's our Easter message, folks. That's why our identity is so important, because it connects to Christ, Christ who died for all, women and men. He died for all just as he created and was there on the day of creation. When God created them male and female, so also he is there to redeem them male and female. 
So our identity is connected to nature and especially to the one who made all nature, to Jesus and the Father. Now, if we don't know who God is or if we seek to claim his identity for ourselves, then we'll never know who we really are and we'll never truly live as God created and redeemed us to be. But Paul tells us, being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by art or imagination of man. In other words, we are not to think of God in constructs of creation, but above all creation. And that we're not to also think about God as a product of our imagination, because that makes us God, the creator. And so you and I, in times of trouble especially, we understand that there is someone greater than us. There is someone over us who was before us and who will be always there. And so God, his eternal property, his life and his love for us just are earmarks of identity for us. So we should not make God a figment of our imagination, you know, imagining that he'll answer all the prayers just as we want them answered, that he'll tolerate all the sins that we hold dear, and he will side with us in our politics and our personal squabbles. Now, do we see something wrong with that? because we've made God our own construct there. And the truth is, God is above all of that. And in fact, he is the one who has helped us to ascertain and see the truth. You see, without God's action to reveal himself to us, he would still remain unknown. But we have God's revelation to us. In Christ, we know who God is and therefore who we are. We are all children of a God who loves us dearly. And unlike those ancient Greeks, we know who God really is. The people in Athens scoffed at the resurrection because they didn't think that flesh was worth anything. And the Greeks pictured their gods as appearing like humans, but never being humans. But we know our God because he did become human, enfleshed like us. Flesh and blood that was not strange to him, but of precious worth. And being the sacrifice on the cross for the sins of the entire world, yours and mine and all of creation. And when we look at the cross and the empty tomb, we see Jesus Christ. We see God in action fully for us. And that's where Jesus tells us, you will know that I am in my Father. Because why? He does the Father's will, and he does it perfectly. Identification. There we have it. God's identity for us and guess what? It's all about his love, his focus on us. 
So by knowing God, we now know who we are. Male and female created for a purpose. And we are made in God's image. And we are God's children, just as Jesus is his son. And so you and I today, we rejoice in that Easter truth, the identity of our God that's been revealed as if a veil had been torn from heaven to earth so that we could see the truth that God is our Father, that Christ is our brother, and that the Holy Spirit comes and dwells with us and helps us in our weaknesses. So may you and I understand our identity is a gift from God and not try to exchange it for something less than what it is. But let us rejoice in the gift that has been given. Because after all, don't we believe that God knows best? Okay, thank you. I needed a plus there, yes. We believe that God knows best. And we know that he loves us. And so our identity is connected to him. And so may you and I today understand that even quantum physics confesses the reality of what God has created. That even science backs up the fingerprint of God still. And that our God has made us and redeemed us by his name and word so that you can be who you are as he created you to be and that it is good. That there is no one else like you. And to top it all off, God loves you for who you are. That he who created you and redeemed you to be. So know that you are important to God and that he has promised to be with you forever. And he's delivered that promise with an exclamation point in the work of his son on the cross and at the tomb. So may you and I never doubt who we are because we are God's workmanship made in the image of Christ Jesus to do the works that he puts in front of us to do. May you and I love our God for the preciousness of what he is. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guide our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you.